MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. A Thursday edition of the Bet Rivers Pittsburgh CityCast. Tim Benz and Mike Pursuta brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Lots to talk about today, including the Frozen Four. Mike and I will be there in Boston next weekend. The Final Four coming up, too. We'll discuss both of those NCAA championship weekends. Mike heavily invested in Duke. That's been something we've been tracking throughout the tournament here on the CityCast. Whenever Mike has been with us, Bet Rivers Sportsbook offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com and sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're going to talk about the NFL overtime rules, how they've changed, and how that will be influencing the gambling world for the NFL. I think it's going to have a lot of impact with extended possession times, more points means higher overs. You can split some over underlines there. Of course, point spreads and straight up wins come into play. So I think that's going to have a major influence on outcomes in the National Football League. And of course, we've got the Penguins tonight against the Wild. Should be a really interesting game out in Minnesota. No Marc-Andre Fleury playing against the Pens tonight, but an NHL boosted bet for you via Bet Rivers. Sidney Crosby to record a goal. Penguins to score over three and a half team goals and win versus the Wild. That was plus 440. It's now plus 550. 
Might be a long shot, though, because the Wild, they don't give up a lot of goals. They haven't given up more than two during their seven-game win streak. Keep that in mind as you play those odds or maybe try to finagle a bet that works better for you. Mike, though, I want to start with baseball, and I haven't seen the odds yet. Maybe you found them. I haven't been able to find them yet. But over under days remaining for Brian Reynolds as a Pittsburgh Pirate. Wow, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, you know, I didn't think he was going to make a career out of playing for the Pirates, but I thought he might get through this season. I guess not. Uh, that little matter of uh, a $650,000 difference in the arbitration projections. I guess he's got to go. Everything's priced to move, Benzie. At what point do people see through the con of we're just building for the future, we're getting as many prospects in as humanly possible? It's got to be, this has got to be the breaking point right now, right? Because when it comes to Reynolds, there's no reason to move him. He's still, if you can't afford Brian Reynolds for the three years that he's going to have left in Pittsburgh, you shouldn't be in the business. Like you've got to have a guy who's that good, who's that affordable based on how good he is to be on the team when all these alleged super prospects that we keep hearing about come up to the big leagues. Like, that should be part of it, right? And if your team stinks this bad, you should have O'Neill Cruz on it just yes. to give people something to look at. At least take a shot at starting them with the big club in April and see where that goes. Um, it, it's a mess. I tell you, we were talking about this on the DVE morning show. You know, I've always kind of justified paying attention to the Pirates with – well, I like Major League Baseball. I grew up with the game, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, a lot of things conspiring against me now, making that tougher and tougher. The Pirates are a joke, and I'm not a real fan of the way baseball is being played now. It's not the game I grew up on. This uh, three outcomes nonsense with uh, home run, strikeout, or walk is not necessarily something I find appealing. So I don't know. You asked a minute ago about the breaking point. Um if uh, if people don't see through it now, I guess they never will. I guess they're just pirate fans as the car goes over the cliff and begins to plummet like Wile E. Coyote down the mountain until there's a little puff at the bottom. Well, you make a good point because when I look at why I still consume the pirates to the small degree that I do, either as somebody who covers Pittsburgh sports or somebody who is a resident of the city of Pittsburgh and a sports fan, you know, you talk about it all the time when you go to Charlotte, when you go to other cities that have triple-A baseball or even double-A baseball. You Buffalo. go because it's a baseball game, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm at that point with PNC Park basically just being the nicest minor league baseball stadium in America. You know, They could now become a minor league team, and I'll probably go just as often as I am inclined to go to see major league baseball, and I could walk to the stadium from where I live. You know, it's not that far. You know, I've, I've been there with the Pirates for a couple of years. And, you know, in terms of going to see the other team, uh, you know, baseball, you always have a chance, one out of three, right? Yep. Uh, last year, I went to three games, and that was coming out of a pandemic. And I'm usually... When we a, should be starving for it, right? I'm usually a 20 to 25 game a year guy. Now, I, you know, I go with buddies. I, I take my wife. I, I go to stand uh, in left field and drink. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> But I, I went three times. I mean, if they're losing me, Major League Baseball, you know, nationally in general and locally in particular, has got a huge problem because I got to believe I'm one of the last hangers on. Yeah, exactly. Because I think like the NBA, maybe the NFL 
it, those are leagues where you can be a fan of the league before or above you being a fan of your local team. I suppose it can work that way. Major League Baseball is not like that. You need a 162 game a year team to follow that you care about to be invested in the league. And you just highlighted there where you said if, if they can't hold on to you, how are they supposed to hold on to 12-year-old you in Beaver County that is supposed to be a fan for life that is still following the team when they're in their 50s? Because that's not happening now. And the me that's a broadcaster in Pittsburgh is not helping them attract any uh, new clientele because I'm all but ignoring them because I don't care. And uh, to my knowledge, we're not getting a torrent of complaints that I'm not reading oh. the spring training scores or I think I mentioned, uh, I did four sports cast this morning. I think I mentioned yesterday score one time, not once all spring. Have I mentioned any specifics just, well, they beat, they beat the Red Sox today and are playing the twins in Fort Myers tomorrow. If I get there, uh, it's, it's funny. I look at the, the post Gazette and some of the other outlets and, you know, the people that cover the team are killing themselves. And I see all this copy and content they're producing and I get why they're doing it. It's because their job. But my, my question that I ask myself is, does anybody read this stuff? Cause I'm not, I know what they read. I mean, cause I track every story that I write and I see how it does because I don't want to waste my time because yeah. I've got, I write a lot. They ask me to write a lot for the job that I do. I put out a lot of content. So if I'm going to put out that much content, why am I going to waste my time on something that's only going to get a couple thousand reads? I know what moves the needle for the pirates and it's ripping the pirates. It's not who's going to play second base. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, they'll put somebody out there. And if he's any good, they'll get rid of him and put somebody else out there as soon as he starts making a buck. You I, know, I, Brian Reynolds is the perfect example. It used to be a joke. It used to be cynical. You know, uh, it, it, it's the way it is. And I just don't understand why people keep investing themselves in this future stuff because the odds of all of those players coalescing at the same time is minimal the odds of those guys all coming together in the same moment to be on the field at once before they all have to be moved like honestly it didn't even happen in 2013 it, remember you get a couple guys that signed a sweet hometown discount or went under value for what they could have gotten in McCutcheon and Marte uh, Polanco eventually you had Neil Walker the hometown kid just signing for one-year deals to stay with the team like that's not going to coalesce again, especially after what they've done to Cole and Reynolds. If you can't keep those guys when you have them on their contract, who are you ever going to keep? Yeah, it's just, you know, what, we're waiting for a future that's never going to arrive. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you fly into Denver and you're driving toward town. <laughs> you can see it. It's out there like 40 miles away. <laughs> But it feels like you're never getting you're never getting any closer. Still in Kansas, like yeah, you've been that, you've done that drive. You got a kick out of that. Oh yeah, but the one actually like the the phenomenon that I really experienced that was even worse than that is when I moved out to Utah, when I took the job in Utah from Syracuse, and somebody said, uh, "Was it called Table Rock? Like the big flat rock that's out there in Wyoming?" I was going across Wyoming. I was like, "Oh, there's the rock." Oh, it looks like I'm right there. And then you see a sign that says 350 miles. <laughs> and the next yeah. sign you see is an hour later and you're not closer. And it's like 250 miles. I'm looking at the same rock for like, feels like a whole day. That's exactly what we're talking about with the pirates. Yeah. I just don't, I don't get that. There's ever, you know, if, if they came out and said in 2029, damn it, we're yeah, going to contend. 
All right. Uh, now I got a rock to look at. Now yeah. I got table rock to point at. I'll get there eventually. I got no rock. I got no mountain. I got, I just got a highway going nowhere. Well, for folks who are interested in playing the uh, win totals for the Pirates, they're not up yet. I don't think Bet Rivers has put its official uh, win totals for teams up yet. Most of the predictions I've seen, Benzi, uh, 60. 60 give, wins, yeah. Give or take. I'll give. Oh, absolutely. Why would <laughs> I think you- they're going under that. I think like somewhere around, somewhere between 105 and 110 losses, especially if they trade Reynolds. I can't imagine the uh, positive impact that's going to have in the clubhouse. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what do we do? Cabrian Hayes? Well, just trade him now, too, then. Just sure. give him up at this point. Maybe they could package him. Get, get four pitchers from the Padres, then, that we're supposed to fall in love with and imagine are really, really good. So if you look at the odds for the Pirates right now, it's funny. I want to see if they have the lowest. Are they now officially the lowest odds in baseball to win the World Series? They are. They're tied with the Orioles at plus 25,000. Wow. Just by comparison's sake, the Diamondbacks are plus 17.5. Who yeah. really like, stink. They really stink, and they have significantly more narrow odds than the Orioles and Pirates. The Orioles and Pirates just play each other all year, 162 times. Just play each other, and maybe it'll be interesting to see which one has 80. That would be more fun to me than seeing them get smacked around by the rest of the league. I'll tell you what MLB needs to do, Tim, and you know everybody's against the cap. So, all right, don't have one, but uh, let's take a page out of the English Premier League and start having relegation. Sure. And, you know, the bottom three teams got to go to AAA. Let's see if they try then. Not a bad idea. Now, I noticed, uh, speaking of pirate greatness, your Minnesota Twins got Chris Archer. I'm sure you're feeling good about that, huh? I felt good that they got uh, Correa, but uh, now not not so much. I, I don't know what they're thinking. You know, like the Bob Euchre line. Obviously, Taylor's thinking... I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> Minnesota is at plus 3,500 to win the World Series. Um, right between the Reds, I take that back, right after the Tigers and right before the Phillies. They're, they're deadlocked with the Tigers. Are they better than the Tigers? I don't know. You know, they were supposed to be last year, and, and they weren't very good. And then it seemed like they were dumping. Mm-hmm. And, and then they go out and get uh, Correa. I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure what the point of that was plus 2,200 to win the American League. So I'm sure we'll be keeping an eye on the Twinkies. But I plan to... Just looking forward to my first drive to Cleveland to see a Guardians-Twins game. (laughs) For history. That's right. The first game ever between the Guardians and the Twins. I'm going to employ the same concept that I did last year that worked out well for me, Mike. I'm not going to bet on anybody to win. I'm just going to bet against these bad teams to lose a bunch. And I think I'm going to cash in that way. It worked last summer. Why wouldn't it work this summer? I think the money is surer there betting against bad teams than it is betting against, betting on good teams. Couldn't agree with you more. And I think uh, I think we got a little bit of that dynamic in place in the NHL right now. Yeah. There's, there's about 14 or 15 games to go, and the really good teams are fighting for position or you know trying to get their playoff houses in order or whatnot. Uh, the bad teams, I don't go for that theory that, oh, it's hard to play against them because they got nothing to lose and they're playing free. No, they stink, and they find ways to lose. Even, I was watching the Rangers-Red Wings last night. We we saw the joke that Detroit was mm-hmm. Sunday in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Red Wings actually had four one-goal leads on the Rangers last night at the Little Caesars Arena. But guess what? When people were filing out into the Detroit evening, the Rangers won the game. They had to go to overtime to do it. But I, I think you know, now – 
as is the case in baseball, the odds are prohibitive, so you got to maybe find a parlay that you can work with. But, yeah, uh, the haves against the have-nots, Tim. So it's a formula that gamblers have been exploiting since the Christians and the Lions. Well, let's long winning streak for the Lions in those matchups. It's also a streak that you can usually employ against the Detroit Lions. It comes into play there a lot, too, if you're gambling on the NFL. Ironically, uh, those Lions aren't very good. <laughs> I would take the Christians against the Lions. I would take Notre Dame against some additions of the Lions that we've seen in recent years. Or at least the team with Christian McCaffrey healthy. <laughs> Let's uh, let's get to the NHL since you brought it up and the Penguins in the wild tonight. It won't be against Marc-Andre Fleury. So, Mike, does that affect your gambling uh, theorizing at all for this game between Pens and Wild tonight? The Wild coming in with seven straight wins. The Pens losers of three of four. The Pens getting a goal and a half on the puck line at minus 240 to win. It's only a slight payout at plus 104 on the road. The over under is six and a half. Boy, I'm liking the under here based on what I've seen from the wild during their seven game winning streak. They have yet to allow more than two goals. They've only exceeded three goals twice in those seven games. They are winning three to one just about every friggin' night. And the penguins uh, have had trouble generating shots and putting pucks in. So I like the under tonight. Let me see what the odds are. On the under, the under in this uh, one. Minus 104. I've got that as the over. I've got the under at minus 117. Oh, I'm sorry. I read the, long, read the wrong line. Yeah, one, yeah. So, yeah, that's not bad at all. And I'm with the Cam Talbot. Reportedly, he's going to get the start. He's won his last eight in a row. The Wild have won their last seven in a row. I think they're 9-1-1 one, and one in their last 11. Of course, Cam Talbot, the guy who was the goaltender for Alabama Huntsville, Beat Robert Morris and our buddy Derek Schooley in year three of the RMU program. It was the College Hockey America Championship game, an NCAA tournament berth was at stake, and the Colonials turned a four nothing lead into a five to four overtime loss on a shorty. By the way, yeah, not the not the finest moment in Colonial history, but Camp Talbot doing way more than anybody from Alabama Huntsville should ever have a right to expect to do in the National League. And then he saved the program on top of that because he, he ponied up big bucks because he's their lone NHL product. And when the program was about to go belly up, I think it took a year off. Uh, Robert Morris has taken two, but didn't Alabama Huntsville take a year off? I can't remember if they did or not. Uh, or thinking of Anchorage. Anchorage might have done it. But either way, like he, he helped bring the program back and keep it alive with a huge donation to the team. So there's reason to like Cam Talbot. There's reason to like him the way he's playing. He's the reigning NHL player of the week. The Penguins are going up against. They just saw Shesterkin, and they got to start generating some more shots, Mike. I mean, there's a couple things that I saw as storylines that have developed against the Rangers uh, if they do play them in the postseason. The Rangers bother their breakout really badly, and the Penguins need the breakout offensively to be an effective team moving forward. Uh, they need their breakout to be top-notch. It isn't against the Rangers. Shesterkin is for real. Um, they don't get the puck up enough against him when they do shoot. Jake Gensel talked about that. And they just don't get enough shots. They're not getting shots through. They're not attempting enough shots. And when it comes to shot attempts, boy, the, the Wild are dominant in that regard. I mean, if you want to boil down like the most simple of 
hockey fancy stats and just look at Corsi in terms of shots attempted, like their percentage of shots attempted versus the other teams? I do not, but continue your thought. They dominate. Like, they're, they're in the 60s of late when it 60, comes to... 60-something Corsi. Oh, my God. I got to check just, this out tonight. <laughs> you, you know what that means, though. Like, they're throwing a lot more pucks at the net than the other team is, and that plays right against what the Penguins have been doing in recent games. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if it's not happening for the Penguins offensively, you got to defend, right? And a couple of things. I liked a lot of what I saw in that Ranger game, believe it or not. But two things really bothered me. I thought the Penguins gave them two of the three goals that the Rangers scored. The the Kreider power play goal is ridiculous. He's standing right on top of Tristan Jari's crease. Mm-hmm. And Chris Letang and Chad Rudweedle are in front of him. Not really fronting him necessarily, but... Kreider is between the last line of defense and the goaltender. Now, this guy came in with 22 power play goals, the vast majority of which are tips in front and rebounds and things of that nature. And uh, Adam Fox, being the smart Harvard guy that he is, just banged one off the back wall. Yep. Kreider's there, stuffed that stuffed that rebound off the backboards in. Easy goal there. And uh, the one that uh, the Rangers scored to make it 2-1, to one, the uh, Brandon uh, Schneider, Braden Schneider goal. That was a turnover in the offensive zone. When the puck turned over, Evgeny Malkin and Schneider were even in terms of depth in the Ranger end. They were both on uh, either side of the faceoff dot, equidistant from where the play was happening. And Schneider got going up ice, and Malkin did one of his big loops back before he got it going forward again. A three-on-three became a four-on-three uncontested shot from the slot one time or the kid buried it. If you're not going to score, you better defend. Sullivan always says you can't score your way to a championship. I got my doubts about the Penguins ability to defend him. Uh, Kiprasov or Kaprasov, excuse me, Kirill Kaprasov. He's got one point shy right now. I think 82 points, one point shy of Gabarik's all time point total for the wild, for the wild. Yeah. In a single season. It's a, it's a, it's a, Almost insurmountable, 83 points. <laughs> and he's got 37 goals, and uh, he's plus 138 to score tonight. So I Remember like when Mario out. used to get 83 points before he was done with a pack of cigarettes? Exactly. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit of a different game. You know, if you look historically, because I was doing some historical number crunching on the Wild. We've been to their home rink, by the way. We love the Excel Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. We've worked it. What a den of mediocrity their history is. Like, they are rarely bad. And they're never really good. And for a hockey mad city like that, I'm sort of wondering why that isn't more of a big storyline in the NHL nationally, because like if they get 50 wins, which they should this year, they're at 41 right now. They've never had 50 wins as a franchise. They've won a division twice, but yet I think it's like six out of the last seven years, they've gone to the playoffs. And in each of those years, they've lost in the first round. Yeah, they don't do well there. Maybe that's why they went out and got your boy. Well, got Flurry, you mean? Yeah. Because they just think Talbot's going to fade eventually? Perhaps. He's not playing Robert Morris anymore, Tim. Or maybe this turns into Flurry's latest version of him and Vokun, where Vokun was pretty much the same goalie. And next thing you know, Flurry found himself on the bench watching Vokun get no goal support against the Boston Bruins. They lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know. Would they give up a conditional number one for him? I think that was it. Yeah. Well, you know, Garen's obviously going to be a sucker. Garen has the ties. Yeah. I got to believe they went out and got him for a reason. 
Yeah, in the end, he should be playing. Uh, and I think they can at least ride him until a potential Stanley Cup final matchup with Pittsburgh because apparently he couldn't bear <laughs> to play against Pittsburgh, even though he's how many teams removed is he now? He went There's to three Vegas, teams removed. Now, do you think Chicago that's it or is it just Cam Talbot's turn and they don't want him to cool off and they want to ride his hot streak and, you know, make that room as nice and cozy and comfortable as it is until the playoffs roll around and then that becomes an issue? Oh, it's never an issue, right? I mean, well, the way might... Flurry talks about it is never an issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's going to be their guy. I'd be surprised if he's not. You know, if you're looking for uh, partners tonight, there are plenty of opportunities to find them if you are looking for parlay partners. Absolutely. Um, the Blue Jackets and Islanders, that's sort of a tough one, but I love the Bruins, minus 230 against the Devils. Love the Panthers, minus 335 against the Blackhawks at home. The Leafs, minus 235 against the Jets at home. Um, the Hurricanes minus 420 at home against the Canadians. My gosh, yeah. 286 for the Flames at home against the Kings. Uh, Colorado with or without McKinnon minus 345 at home against the Sharks. Man, there's parlay partners are all, all over the board tonight. If you want yeah, to get just kind of boil it down and uh, you got to find out one game that's uh, a relative toss up. Maybe that's the under in Pittsburgh, Minnesota. And then yeah. just tack on a bunch of those layups and see what happens. Well, uh, I'm both kicking myself and praising myself and people who listen to the podcast on Tuesday heard me talk about this. The 14 parlay that I threw together ended up paying off and paying off nicely, which was Florida winning, uh, the wild winning, the stars beating the ducks. And I can't remember. I think the Carolina was the other team that I threw in there against uh, maybe it was much against the senators, whoever was playing the senators. Um, and I said, go with it on the money line and see how you do it's paying off three to one or you could mix in two of those teams at the puck line all three of the teams at first covered the puck line and then there was a four three win on the back end for the wild over the stars and it hit um and, and that would have paid off at like plus 590 if you put it all together but i think you're on to something at the start of the conversation where that mentality of just bet against the bad teams and try to find the honey pots try to find the soft spot wins uh, aside from the Red Wings screwing me a couple times this year, it's actually been kind of nice in hockey this season. Yeah, now you got to go for the bad teams on this, and, and uh, I'll give you a little, you know, argument against uh, Buffalo. For example, has played pretty well lately. Uh, lost to w Winnipeg three to two last night in a shootout. Um, Winnipeg, by the way, playing again tonight at your Toronto Maple Leafs. But um, just make sure that you're throwing in bad teams and not yeah. not teams that. Well, the record's not very good, but they're on a little bit of a heater. Like Columbus was for a while. Or everybody, everybody, Arizona. Arizona had, a, Arizona yeah. had that hot streak, right, you exactly. Just, you you got to research that and make sure they're not, it's not their 15 minutes of fame, so to speak. All right, when we come back, we'll continue the hockey talk. We'll talk Frozen Four when we return, because Mike and I will be there in Boston next week, and we can't wait for it. We'll also talk about March Madness, the final four. Tim, ask me how I'm getting there. How you getting there, Mike? Shipping up to Boston. Oh! That's coming up when we come back in the Pittsburgh CityCast. No more football? No problem. Bet Rivers Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college and pro basketball, and more. 
Don't miss out on Bet Rivers' many daily specials or try your hand at live player props or same game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at Bet Rivers. Get started with life after football with the Bet Rivers app. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Back in the Pittsburgh City cast, Tim Benz, Mike Pursuta, uh, Bet Rivers kind enough to take a special prop bet for me this week. I've twice now had American Airlines change a flight that I booked to go to my high school reunion in Connecticut in July. And I put the over under at four and a half more times it's going to happen between now and July 17th, which is when I fly out. Uh, Mike, you're going to take the over on that one. I think that's a wise investment. Got the over. Although I got to say, American uh, took care of me. Uh, Last time I flew, I went down to Charlotte to see the great Eric Church. And uh, no no worries whatsoever. And I've got American booked for the uh, Frozen Four, even though I was singing a little uh, (laughs) dropkick Murphys before we uh, went to break there. I am not shipping up to Boston. I am flying up to Boston through Philadelphia. So yeah, I'll we'll see how that goes. That's always an adventure flying through Philadelphia. Anything with Philadelphia related is an adventure. But we are looking forward to the trip out to the Frozen Four. Um, yes, we are. We will be there for the first set of games. By the way, your Eric Church concert. Did you research that well enough to know that North Carolina wasn't playing the day that he was going to perform? Were you aware of his in-depth Tar Heel fandom to the point that he canceled a concert in Texas because he wants to watch the Final Four? I heard he canceled. I heard it was Final Four related. Didn't know he was a Tar Heel fan, but I know he's from North Carolina. Yeah. I I know uh, he's got a song about North Carolina called Carolina. Uh, I've seen him four times now. There's going to be many more. And he lays it all out there. He's like the new Springsteen. You get way more than your money's worth when he performs, Tim. If he feels like there's a conflict and he's got some basketball to watch, why is he doing this? Why is he making all this money? Why is he lifting all these weights? <laughs> you know, maybe next year be a little smarter and just don't schedule anything because you follow a pretty good program. Right. But if the chief wants to go watch some hoops, hey, that's why they call him the chief because he gets to do what he wants. If you don't like it, don't go. There'll be plenty of people that want to take your ticket the next time. I was thinking he's got to have an opening act, right? Why not open for the opener? Why not flip-flop it? You go first, put the opening act on afterwards. No, nah, he's like, he, he does long shows, baby. He's like the new Springsteen. Well, we'll get to the final four in a second. Let's stick with the Frozen Four. Uh, the first two games in Boston, uh, Mike, no one follows college hockey better, so you should follow his expertise here. Although these are tough lines to pick, I think, Mike. Uh, Michigan, the favorite to win the Frozen Four at plus 175. Minnesota State at plus 225, Minnesota at plus 375, and Denver at plus 400. Boy, for a team as good as Denver, even though they're playing Michigan, that's a nice little payout, isn't it? Uh, You know, to me, the odds should be Team A plus 125, Team B plus 130, Team C plus 135. It's very tight. It's anybody's tournament. Yeah. Any, Any one of these four teams can win this. Uh, Denver's obviously the best value because that's eight time national championship program. Uh, I think their last one was two fifteen or two eighteen. nothing in the, you know, immediate past, but, uh, a decorated program that's used to winning Michigan is one of the more talented college teams I've ever seen man for man. I think it's seven number one draft picks, some ridiculous skill, 
but not real interested in playing with structure. Uh, mm. Kind of interested in playing with the ridiculous skill that has. Gee, been what's that like? I'm not familiar with that concept. So what I'm getting at, and Denver can score as well. That first game has over all over it to me, over six and a half. And this dates all the way back to when we covered Robert Morris in the NCAA tournament in 2014, playing Minnesota, a very good team, but the Colonials were pretty good too. We were all over the over on that one, figuring there's no way Robert Morris doesn't get at least four, and there's no way they don't give up at least seven. (laughs) Sure enough. And that's kind of the way it played out. I mean, Denver can play a tight checking, shut you down type of game, but I don't think it can do that against Michigan, but I think it's more than capable of counterpunching against the Michigan defense and goaltending that, relatively speaking, is kind of uh, average uh, when compared with all the skill that the defensemen and uh, forwards have. So I like the over in that one. Minnesota State, I think, has the best goalie in the country and I think has the best player in the country. But Minnesota has been building and got really hot down the stretch. And again, the the tradition's there. Um, Over under a five there. I'm going to go over in that one as well. I was just going to say, like, they made it really low. I know Dryden McKay is something else, but if you want to go... He's had some stretches where he gives up nothing, and then he's had some stretches where, oh, yeah, you can score on this guy. Kind of like Shesterkin last week before he started playing the Penguins. To me, this is the perfect fan thing because I really don't have a dog in the fight other than somebody, please, for the love of God, beat Michigan. Uh-huh. I don't want to watch them skate around with the trophy. But what's more fun than betting an over and just, you know, going to a doubleheader after you've been drinking since noon and just cheering every goal? Goal, it's be, goal, goal. It's going to yeah. be a great Thursday. Uh, we could do an over-over double dip if we wanted to there. I think, what are we looking at here? So the over... You know, the Michigan band has this stupid cheer. It, you know, college hockey has a lot of uh, scripted, you know, we do this at this particular time of the game. Yeah. And whenever they score a goal, they do it. They play the fight song, whatever they do. And then they have this chant. They go, we want more goals. We want more goals. <laughs> so I'll be doing that right with them. I'll get in the middle of them. Those yellow-shirted bastards. I'll be screaming for more goals. It's amazing. Under five is only paying out at plus 100 in the Minnesota-Minnesota State game. So somebody did their homework there and knows people are going to look at the line and see what Dryden McKay is like and say they're going to go under in this one. I I think it's – For five, it's it's paying out at plus money, but only plus 100. I'm telling you, McKay, I don't think – now, he's had a great career. Um, Outstanding college career. I think his numbers this year are a little skewered. Um, what they've been lately, they, they were way more dominant early, and it hasn't kind of corrected to the mean yet. Mm-hmm. And Minnesota had a kid named Jack LaFontaine, who was their number one goalie, really good. Carolina had some injury issues. He was a Hurricanes draft pick. They signed him in January. They needed him to back up at the major league level one game, and he actually started one game. But since he left to go for net, now they're down to – well, guys, we really wouldn't be playing and weren't planning on playing. Not that, you know, they're Minnesota recruits, so mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're players, they're, yeah. but they're not the, the guy that's supposed to be the guy. That, that five looks just that's, – that's like the gaping upper half of, upper half of the net that Jake Gensel couldn't, <laughs> couldn't hit against the Ranger game. And then you throw it right in the pads and you're pissed off on the way out. You know, and I think the, the only reason that happened, I think, is because he was out there from the 232 mark. He hadn't gotten off the ice. There were no whistles. It was up and down. The Penguins Couldn't had lift like, the puck. Penguins had like six looks. The Rangers had four, and it was it was chaos. But he just couldn't get the puck up. All you got to do here is get your bet down. 
And uh, I think that's going to pay off. By the way, I was talking yeah. about that that crazy ending on the air, and I got a tweet from a listener who was telling me the horror story of having over five and a half. Oh, God, I thought about that. In fact, uh, our buddy Anthony Jaskolski brought that up in the elevator ride down. Can you imagine having over five and a half? I mean, Zabinijad, I, I think he was trying not to hit Malkin. Just trying to be nice about it. Yeah. Like, I, I, so I, I want to wind up and blasted that thing as hard. He was inside the dot against the goaltenderless net, and he missed. Meanwhile, whoever it was that fired the shot at Raquel didn't seem to care. Raquel no. blocked it anyway. I think that was Kreider. Uh, Barkley Goudreau hit the post. Yeah. And, yeah. and Mal- Malkin actually made a defensive play. The first one was Kreider kind of from, from center ice, maybe just over the red line. Yeah. Malkin got over and got his stick in the way and forced an off-angle shot. The guy who, who tweeted me who was bitching about, you know, that bad beat of a, over five and a half, he said something to the effect of, first time in 15 years, Gino's played any defense. <laughs> Well, we'll keep, we're going to have one more podcast. We're not exactly sure how we're going to execute it, but we're going to execute it at some point from Boston. Yeah. We'll figure out a way to do it, and we'll do a little bit more on the Frozen Four. I just, I'm wondering if you are uh, getting shaky on Michigan after uh, my AIC Yellow Jackets managed to cover the two-and-a-half puck line. Oh, I, I think uh, they can be beaten. I, uh-huh. I was At the start of the NCAA tournament, I thought they were the team to beat, and I was kind of nervous. Uh, they still might win it, but like I said, I think – any of these teams can win it. It's not going to take a goalie standing on his head. It's not going to take a two-man advantage at the fortuitous time. It's not going to take a weird bounce. These are all quality teams that would be deserving champions. I think it's going to be a great tournament. Um, I'll just say this. As much as I loved it when the thing came here to Pittsburgh for the yeah. first time in 2013, call me an elitist. Call me uh, a blue blood this is a lot better. Denver, Michigan, Minnesota, and Minnesota State to me is a lot better than Yale, Quinnipiac, Mass Lowell, and uh, St. Cloud. St. Cloud State. And uh, the setting is pretty cool in Boston as well. So we will do one more podcast in advance of that. The final four, Mike, definitely has a vested rooting interest. It's Duke at plus 1600. You were smart to get in then. You got in then. Well, We'll see if I was. All right, so you're going to maybe uh, get yourself on the backside a little bit with North Carolina at plus four? We're going to hedge the principal. I got him at, at plus 1,600, Duke, yeah. to, win the, to win the whole thing after the round of 32. I'm not going to lose money on that bet. Uh, I'm going to take Carolina money line, and if Duke wins, I'll take probably Kansas money line. Just, just enough to cover what I laid out at the 16 to 1. Got so, it. so it'll, it'll knock a little off the return, but it'll still be a nice return, but I will not lose money. I'm a little surprised the Kansas Villanova line hasn't risen, especially with the injury concerns for Villanova. Hasn't moved a lick, right? I don't think it has. It might have been four, but it certainly wasn't as high as five or, or three and a half. It's been right around this mark pretty much the whole time. It's a lot of respect for Jay Wright, isn't it? Yeah, it I is. Mean, I mean, he's going to be the king now that, uh, you know, the king is dead. Long live the king, right? Yeah, and unlike Mark Few, he's actually won a couple. So, like, his team yeah. always seems to be able to get there and occasionally wins it, whereas Few, well, we see what happens with Gonzaga. Sometimes they get as far as the final, and then that's not good enough. The Duke-North Carolina thing, I mean. I'm still pissed at them last year. They were so bad in the championship game oh. that Baylor stopped trying to score with 10 minutes left 
and what should have been an easy over turned into an under and yep. a loser. Exactly. I, I kind of was stuck in the same boat on that one. I was thinking the same way. And Baylor just dusted them after what had happened, uh, beating UCLA. And, you know, it's just the storyline surrounding Gonzaga. That's one of the all-time dud performances in a championship game. Gonzaga, I think, is trying to become Purdue, Tim. <laughs> a, a history, Gonzaga's working on it. A history of failure in March. An institutional history. Institutional history. Of failure in March. Pre-existing condition, they call that in the medical field. So you're going Carolina money line at plus 163, huh? Yeah, again, just to cover just to cover my backside. Who do you think uh, wins though? Like I mean, just I think Duke wins that game and I think Kansas beats Villanova. And it comes down to Kansas and Duke. Yeah, I'm going to go and the money lines uh for both are uh minus 200. Uh, I'm not going to play anything on Duke cuz I've already got them. Uh but I'll I'll play a little on Carolina just to cover the the initial bet and then I'm going to hit Kansas. Yeah, I'm going Duke and I'm going Kansas. I'm going to go Kansas on the spread. I might go Duke money line. We'll see. Um, and then they've also got some bets that are out from Monday night's game. Like, for instance, if Duke does win, these are voided if the matchup doesn't take place. If Duke does win, they're four and a half point favorites on Nova. If Duke does win, they're a point favorite on Over Kansas. Kansas. Uh, Villanova, North Carolina. If that's the matchup, it's North Carolina at minus one over Nova. And then North Carolina at plus three and a half as an underdog against Kansas. So Kansas, a favorite by a little bit more than one possession against Carolina. I, I guess the thinking there is, Mike, if Villanova can survive the injury in one game, they can survive it or come pretty close in the second game, right? That's why the yeah. lines are what they are. See, what, what scares me about that, it was, it was not a deep team to begin with. Mm-hmm. And again, he's got, he's got Villanova recruits. It's not like he's asking a guy from Robert Morris to step in. Uh, but I, it's, I think it stretches uh, Nova a little too thin. Um, Kansas is intriguing to me. I'm not sure how much competition Kansas got all season uh, in conference. Um, the one concern I would have with the Jayhawks, and there are not many, uh, what was that? Uh, they played Houston in the Elite Eight, correct? Or no, Miami. Yeah, Miami got to the Elite Eight, yeah. Miami, and... Kansas had a dismal first half and was trailing by six. Uh, Ofer from the three-point line and only three of nine from the free-throw line. I, I don't know if it can survive another half like that. No, not this time. Because Miami, Miami, I've seen them be super streaky within games. Um, like, I saw them twice come back from an 18-point deficit against Syracuse. Now, that's more commentary on how Syracuse could choke the life out of its own lead in any situation. But... It's also commentary about how bad Miami can be at any point. And then Kansas took advantage of that. It just happened to be in the second half as opposed to the first half. Villanova ain't going to be like that. Villanova isn't going to be that incapable for an entire game or a long enough swath of time that Kansas is going to be able to exploit it like they did against the Hurricanes. Yeah, now I did have Kansas uh, three-teamer last Sunday. I had Kansas. Uh, I had the Penguins. And uh, what was the third part? It was another one of the college games. Uh, oh, it was Carolina kicking the crap out of St. Peter's, mm-hmm. which uh, that had to happen eventually. But uh, I was driving to the Penguins game, and I saw the score, and then I checked that box score, and I thought, okay, well, Kansas isn't going to do this again in the second half. And, of course, what happens when you parlay money lines? All three of them clear the spread easily yeah. individually. But 
that, that's never, sort of what I did in my hockey parlay later that night. So I know exactly you, where you're coming from. You never complain about winners, Tim. At least I don't. I, uh, the only complaint sometimes is, damn it, I didn't bet enough. Real quick, Mike, uh, since we're running out of time here, the NFL overtime rules change and how that's going to affect gambling. Boy, a lot of over-unders are going to come into play. A lot of point spreads are going to come into play. It is a gambler's nightmare, is it not? And at the end of the day, the dumbass team that loses the toss, if it gives up a touchdown and then scores one, you're still going to have to play a little defense. Just going to extend the tie. Ah. They don't stop baseball games after the visiting team takes the lead in the top of the 11th. You know, like it is a one to nothing possession for team a advantage. Like if you get the ball and scores a one, nothing advantage for team a that receives the kick any better or worse than a two, one advantage. I mean, you're still getting the advantage. So like if it goes touchdown, touchdown or field goal, field goal. And then team a gets the ball back for a third time and scores again. And you don't play any defense. It's over. Is there any difference, or did we just do this for a little while longer? No, we just made it longer and put, put guys more at risk to injury and monkeyed with the math for over-unders and all the probabilities. Right, the stuff that really matters. Us. Yeah, Let's bring this back to us. I, I've never not liked sudden death. I think it's just incredibly exciting. I think that's why the league went with it that way in the first place. Um, they don't ask me, Tim. Uh, thank God the regular season's still the same. Mike, we'll do it again from Boston. Maybe we'll do it from the Black Rose somewhere in Haymarket. How about that? uh, I may be in some such establishment (laughs) because I'm not just going there to watch hockey. Oh, there's going to be hockey? I didn't even know. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of of drinking. We'll be back with the Pittsburgh CityCast next week, brought to you by Rivers. More goals. That Rivers.com or download the app. Let's go, Duke.